Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, on today's show, I'm covering a really important topic that I can't believe I haven't covered yet, and that is essential oils and use of essential oils during pregnancy. I don't know about you, but I'm in quite a lot of birth groups, pregnancy groups, and there are so many questions about what essential oils you can use. People packing carry sage for their birth bag and wondering whether they can do it or not. And, and lots of questions about what they can and can't use. And especially when you can't use a lot of medication when you're pregnant, essential oils might be a good place to turn. But it is fraught, isn't it? We don't know what we can and can't use. So today, I've got a brilliant guest, Amber Duncan, who's coming on to help to put the record straight. She will explain everything that you need to know about essential oils. I mean, she has packed so much brilliant stuff into the chat that we have together. I am, I was just amazed when I was going through editing our chat. I was like, oh my goodness, she's just shared so much really useful information. So don't go away. That interview is just coming up in a minute, but I have got a couple of things to share with you first. First of all, I just want to to let you know about the Facebook group. I don't know if you're in the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook group, but this is where it's all happening now. This is where you are more than likely to find me if you need to message me, if you need to ask me anything. That's where I am. Better than email because I have way too many emails I know what to do with at the moment and it's it's stressing me out. I have to be honest, I am getting a little bit stressed by my email situation. So if I'm not getting back to you, that's why I'm getting stressed because I've just got too many of the little fellas flying into my inbox. So the Facebook group is where to come and find me. Now we've been doing loads of Facebook lives in there. Over the last week, I've had Susanna Grant, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks back. We did a Facebook live together all about um, trauma, birth trauma, um, and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to check out the chat, you can go back, watch it, listen to it, um, and get what you need. Then also I did a, there's a couple of others I did. I think I've done one on inductions, how to deal with the whole pressure to be induced. And then just now I've just finished doing a Facebook live with Julianne Mullen, who was a previous guest on the podcast. She's a birth therapist. She's also a very active member of the Fit Free Childbirth Facebook group. And we were talking about the emotional journey of pregnancy, recurrent miscarriages, the emotional aspect of that, which following on from last week's episode with Nava, I think was really good to cover some of that stuff as well. So if you are experiencing recurrent miscarriages, then there's some stuff that Julianne shares about that on the emotional side of that as well. So yeah, do come and check out the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook group. If you want to join, all you need to do is go to the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook page and you just click the button that says join and you will get your link straight away and then you just need to be wait wait to be approved. And as long as you don't look like a spammy person, uh, i.e. you've got a Facebook photo and, um, you know, that kind of thing, then we're going to let you in, uh, basically. So, um, yeah, look forward to seeing you inside the Facebook group. Now, the other thing I just want to mention is also coming up very, very soon, we've got the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge coming up. If you are pregnant and you want help just getting your head around your birth planning, your birth preparation, 
you know, pulling together your birth plan, understanding what you want, what you don't want for your birth, what you need to do to prepare, how you can just cut through all that overwhelm, all that stuff that you read on Google that is just everywhere that can be a little bit confusing, a little bit overwhelming, then join the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge. We'll be running that very soon. I will be sharing details in the Facebook group and on the Facebook page very, very soon where you can sign up to take part in the challenge. It's going to be kicking off in the next few weeks. It's very exciting. I'll tell you why it's very exciting. Because I'm in the middle of pulling together prizes for the Facebook challenge. I am not the Facebook challenge, the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge. This is how excited I am. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of the people that I've had on the, on the podcast as guests. I'm getting people giving me signed copies of books, which is very exciting. And also, well, there's lots of other stuff. I'm not going to give too much away now. But yes, there are prizes for those who do take part. Now, if you want to join the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge, all you need to do is go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash challenge. And then you'll be added to the list of people on the challenge. How exciting. And you will receive an email straight away to confirm that you are indeed part of the challenge. And then you just need to await further instructions. It will be kicking off the next few weeks, like I said. So that is all you need to do. So you go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash challenge. So yeah, this is for you if you are pregnant. Um, This is definitely for you if you're pregnant. Okay, that's enough. Now I'm going to hand over now to the chat that I had with Amber. Amber Duncan is brilliant. She knows so much about essential oils. She's a clinical aromatherapist. So that in my head at least means that she's, you know, done it at the top level basically. And so she has a lot of expertise to share, a lot of knowledge. She's also had three little ones. So she is very familiar with the pregnancy journey, the birth journey, and she works with pregnant women today in terms of advising them on their use of essential oils. So lots of stuff to share. She's also got a lovely freebie that we're giving away as part of today's episode as well. So stay tuned to find out more about what that is and how you need to get hold of it. So I hope that, well, it's all it's all too exciting. I'm just going to stop watching on now and now just hand over to the chat that I had with Amber because it is a cracking one. It absolutely is. Get a notepad, make some notes because it's that kind of episode. It really is that kind of episode. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, Amber, and welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, Amber, you are a clinical aromatherapist, and today we are going to be talking all about essential oils. I cannot wait because I love essential oils, but I know zip all when it comes to what essential oils pregnant women and uh, can use and what we can use in birth. So this is really what I want to talk to you about and what I know that a lot of women want to know more about because they love essential oils. They want to use them as part of their pregnancy and their birth. So are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) Brilliant. So before we start, just tell us a little bit about how you got to be, how you came to be a clinical, um, not a hypnotherapist, aromatherapist. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, my husband got us, my husband's active duty and got us assigned out to Okinawa, Japan. And he, um, decided to deploy, not decided to, but he decided to deploy and I got bored. So, cause living on an Island with two small children, you know, you have nothing better to do. Right. Yeah. So I started getting into the holistic side because it's very, very big there. Um, they do a lot of herbals. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And so I actually, I started off with a certain essential oil company and a lot of what they said didn't sit good in my stomach. You know, that gut sense that mm-hmm. we all need to trust. So I started doing more research and I found that, wow, you could actually get certified in aromatherapy. Who knew? So I 
signed myself up for a course and man, I learned so much in that first course and I left that company that I was working with and I am, I was actually pregnant with my second during this time. I wasn't, didn't have a second yet. And so I wanted to use the oils, but then I got really scared because there's all this information about what not to use and all the things that it could do wrong. So I didn't use any in my second pregnancy because I was just so scared. And I was like, and, you know, coming out of that, I'm like, that's not the way, you know, that wasn't the intent of, you know, the courses. That's not the intent of being an aromatherapist. It's, you know, being able to use them just safely. So I started doing a lot of research into pregnancy and what was really safe since that was my situation. So when I came time to be pregnant with my third, I was much more comfortable and I had used them with clients before my third pregnancy. So I was able to work with pregnant people and then use them in my own pregnancy and I've continued to do so uh, just because there is a lot you can do. You just have to watch and be careful of what you do. <laughs> well, there is. And that's the thing with essential oils is there's so much to take into consideration from what, from my limited knowledge, you know, the things that I, and I, that I want to ask you about that I'm sure we'll cover, you know, things like, you know, you can't just assume that when you buy a, something that says a hundred percent, whatever it is, that it is that and it's pure enough and it's good enough and that you can, use it clinically versus for aroma you know so there's all this there's so much to take into consideration so yeah without me kind of bumbling through that what would be you know what were some of the first things that you learned that you thought oh my goodness this is really in terms of pregnancy this is really helping me to understand what I can and can't do well with pregnancy it was really getting that first list of you know what's not safe and why um actually looking at the actual chemical components within the essential oils that are actually the risk factor because mm-hmm. um, for a lot of oils it's not the entire oil it's actually just a very specific chemical component that's within it and when you realize that and you go okay so it's this chemical and you can go okay well now I can just avoid that chemical um, if that's the chemical that can you know cause abortion or if that's the chemical that can prevent you know the baby's liver from forming okay I can avoid that that's mm-hmm. easy mm-hmm. Um, you know so then having that list because not you know when you get a list, you sit there and go, okay, well, why? Yes, great, I have a list down, but why can't I use these? You know, what's the real reason? Mm. Uh, at least my mind, it wants to know more. Mm. So knowing the actual chemical components and the real breakdown really helped me um, respect the oils more in the fact that I knew they could do this damage and here's exactly what it was that was going to cause it and what that risk factor was. Mm. So... I mean, for most people and their at-home use and their use you know, in their pregnancy, they don't really need to know all that. Like, that's a very, you know, in-depth perspective. And it's what I love. Part of why I became an aromatherapist is I love all that knowledge. Um, but for most people in there, you know, they just kind of need that list unless they really want to know more, in which case then I'm happy to share. <laughs> but, you know, for most people, it's like, hey, well, what can't I use? And when you hand them that list, which actually isn't that long, um, it seems really long, but it's really not. There's still, it opens up this world of, okay, well, I can use everything else. You know, as far as, you know, unless you actually personally have a sensitivity to it, in which case then don't. But anything not on that list is open. So let's start from the top then. Let's start from the top with essential oils. What are the main ways that we can use essential oils? Because there are, you know, a lot of people just assume it's an aromatherapy thing. 
but actually mm-hmm. there's more to it isn't there so would you mind just sort of you know just explaining how we can possibly use essential oils that's other than just sort of whiffing their lovely fragrance well whiffing their lovely fragrance actually is the best because up to 70 percent of the essential oil will actually get into your body systems when you use it through inhalation whereas your topical use is only about 30 percent so if you really do want the positive effects from aromatherapy, you want to use them in that way, the aromatic way. Uh, they're actually, I mean, you can put a couple of drops on a cotton ball because, I mean, straight out of the bottle, the oils are extremely strong. Just, I mean, when you put your face right there, it's like, wow, that's actually really potent. But if you put like a drop or two on a cotton ball inside of a little plastic bag, that scent is far more manageable. <laughs> um, and you can carry it with you wherever you go. Um, which is really great for labor uh, to have several essential oils in that way in the baggies or um, there's things called aroma inhalers. I'm not sure um, if there's any other verbiage where you are for them. <laughs> but, um, so what are they? Like, they, they, sound, well, they that little, sounds really interesting. What is that? Yeah, they're little plastic tubes yeah. and inside of cotton wick. Ah. And, the, and the plastic tube has a cover on it. So you literally can just open it up and breathe in the essential oil whenever you need ah. to. And the way the oils are on there, that can last three to six months. Wow. So, I mean, you make your essential oils really last and therefore not spend as much money mm. if you use things like that. Mm. And like I said, you know, using those for labor because you never know when your scent aversions are going to change. <laughs> um, have, being able to put it away yeah. and get it away from you in labor is a really good thing. That is such a good point. That is such a good point. I'm so glad you mentioned that because some people will just go and buy some like a diffuser for the room but then suddenly they were like, I hate this smell. Open all the windows and you can't. And yeah, yeah. Good point. Brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. um, Everybody's like, oh, my hospital offers a diffuser. I'm like, don't use it. Like, don't just, no. Because you (laughs) never know when that's sent, you know, and then not to mention, you don't know who's coming in and out of the room and they might, you know, have an be allergic to the scent mm. so it's just like you know what keep it on an inhaler keep it on a little cotton ball in a baggie so much easier for you for everybody else all your other caregivers oh my word <laughs> uh, it's amazing people are like oh that makes so much more sense i'm like yeah let's not the diffusers well, yeah, I'm going to buy a diffuser for my office, but that's a very different thing, isn't it? Because that's just me <laughs> working at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was going yeah. to be labour in my office, I probably wouldn't use it. Good point. So this mm-hmm. is brilliant. Excellent. Okay. So we talked about smelling them, the aroma. You've talked about also the topical. And then there's also the, the other way, which is ingesting it, isn't it? There is. Um, ingestion really, really needs to be done under the care of somebody well-trained. Uh, I don't even have that training as a clinical aromatherapist. Um, that's there's a specific field called aromatic medicine and that's where somebody's going to want to go because you need essential oils should only be ingested for maximum of two weeks at a time. Mm. So there's a lot of companies that push for these vitamins and I'm using air quotes (laughs) for those listening. Um, But essential oils offer you nothing as far as supplementation goes for your body. And they um, honestly, your body doesn't need them. They always go, well, here, you know, use this Zytoscanner or um, what else? Is like, uh, There's some other ones that do the same thing. They can read your skin and tell you which oils you need. Mm. Your body doesn't need essential oils. So plants need the essential oils. That's why they make them. Mm. Um, you know, your body needs certain things, but essential oils aren't one of them. 
there's no vitamins, there's literally nothing in the essential oil that your body needs for a day-to-day use. Mm. Now we can use them to help with certain situations, yes, but as far as our body needing them, it's not the case. So um, the use of the word medicine is critical here because as you wouldn't yeah. take medicine regularly, you take it to address an issue and then once the issue is addressed, you stop. So that's stop. a really, yeah, yeah, fine. Okay, yeah, clear, exactly clear. Where the aromatic medicine <laughs> comes in. People <laughs> need to, you know, heed that. And, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of damage to livers and kidneys from people using these essential oil capsules long-term mm. that never needed to because mm. it doesn't, it truly all it does is back up in your liver. So it doesn't bring anything. Um, so I don't ever recommend recommend ingestion. And most people, the few people that I know that are aromatic medicine practitioners don't recommend it in pregnancy at all okay. because now you're risking, you know, the liver of a small new human. Yeah. Um, so it's just not worth it in yeah. the end. Okay. And you've got to weigh that, you know, risk versus, you know, benefit situation Mm -hmm. so topical definitely the way to go if they have um any you know specific situations like you know when your feet start really hurting you know (laughs) it starts swelling up getting a good foot massage with some nice essential oils Mm -hmm. excellent way to go Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean you can convince anybody to give you the extra foot massage it's better anyway so uh i highly recommend it and um when you use topical you only want to use a one percent dilution which means five to six drops of essential oil approximately in an ounce of carrier oil. Okay, so name, name me some carrier oils. Carrier oils are still made from plants, but they're made more from the nuts, and and they are thicker, and so they're like your jojoba wax, your coconut oil. Um, if you've ever heard of baobab seed oil, mm. that's an amazing one. Tamanu oil is one of actually my favorites as far as for... Um, any kind of skin breakdown because it's amazingly analgesic and anti-inflammatory all by itself. Which one was that? Say that again. (laughs) Tamanu. Tamanu. Okay. I've not heard of that. Most people haven't. And I think it's wrong. (laughs) I need to, I'm going to put that, you need to send me a list and I'm going to put all these on the show notes so that people can see it written down and then they can go and hunt it out and get it in their cabinet. Hunt that one because if you have any kind of joint pain or ligament pain, muscle pain, it is truly an amazing oil. And you can use it all by itself Mm. and it'll help with the pain relief. You don't even need to add your essential oils. Adding your essential oils just brings bonus. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. And what about olive oil? Uh, Olive oil. Olive oil, as long as you like the scent and the feel of it, is perfect. Okay, okay, okay. It's all about what you like, and especially in pregnancy because... We all get very, you know, needy yeah. and touchy and <laughs> only like certain things the way we like them. And I, I think I was pretty much basting myself in coconut oil during my pregnancy. Yeah, yeah real coconut my, oil. Yeah, good coconut oil was really good for me. So let's think about pregnancy then. The kind of things that you might have on your pregnancy journey, maybe some common pregnancy symptoms you know, perhaps things like heartburn or like you mentioned the swollen ankles. Are there any things out of all those, that pregnancy journey that essential oils can really help and support women so that they can, they have somewhere to go when they can't take medication to help them? What, what, where can essential oils help them on that journey? Uh, headaches. Okay. We all, you know, don't we all get those? Um, you know, when they just start really 
setting in because of all the extra blood flow. Um, so headaches, you can use things like lavender. Um, and lavender, obviously, there's many different types. So lavandula angustifolia, I'll add it to the, to the notes I send you, uh, is a great one because it's analgesic. It's anti-inflammatory. It's antidepressant. It's anti-rheumatic. Um, and it's an immunostimulant. So it helps keep up the, st- the immune system. Um, which is something we all have issues with when we're once again, you know, trying to grow another person. We always just seem to get sick. Mm. Uh, frankincense is another great essential oil for that same situation. Again, it's analgesic, it's anti-inflammatory um, and immune stimulating. Uh, thing about immune stimulating oils is if anybody has an autoimmune disorder, they can actually mess with that because autoimmune disorders are your immune system is already overstimulated. So some people find that certain essential oils, especially that are immune stimulating, make the symptoms of their autoimmune disease worse. Mm. And so they be aware of when you're using different essential oils, uh, just to watch out for those things to change. Because mm-hmm. uh, small s- symptom changes can be big. So you don't want to do that. Uh, anxiety is another one. <laughs> I know a lot of yeah, like common one. Uh, especially as you start rounding that third trimester, heading into labor, <laughs> like, you know, all the fears start coming down. So bergamot is a great one. It's an antidepressant. Um, it's emotionally relaxing and it's calming while still being uplifting. So it helps give you that kind of sense of peace, and you can still get stuff done. You're not falling asleep <laughs> while you're getting stuff done. So uh, lavender again is another great one for that. Um, neroli is also a good antidepressant, uh, CNS sedative, so helps calm you. It's immune stimulating, um, and it can help relax your nerves, calm your body down. Um, and ylang ylang is another one that can all help with that anxiety situation that comes <laughs> with labor. Um, as far as, uh, you know, swollen feet, you can use cypress. Cypress is a great, uh, one to use for swollen feet and for sore feet or for also restless leg. Um, you know, when you like just want to go and you just can't get them to stop, especially in the middle of the night. Mm. Um, for a lot of these things, you know, uh, you know, massage helps a lot on its own. And then you add in the power and the potency of the essential oils and you can do just so much more. Mm. So it's a lot to be able to do that. What about heartburn? What about heartburn? Is there anything that can help with heartburn? In my personal experience, no. <laughs> heartburn seemed to hate me, but um, my top tip with heartburn was the hot chocolate and the ginger biscuit last thing at night because the milk combined with the ginger really helped me, and I avoided all. But obviously, we're all different, right? But that's nothing to do with essential oils. But while we're on the topic, <laughs> well, exactly. And um, with mine, I had heartburn with all three pregnancies, twenty-four hours a day. Did you? And Were your babies born with a head of hair? No. Oh, really? Because I read that heartburn is because your baby's going to be born with a head of hair. And both mine were, had huge mops of black hair when they came out. So I thought, oh, well, that's why. But yours didn't. So isn't that interesting? Well, I, was, I wanted them to have huge mops of hair because I put up <laughs> all that heartburn. I was like, you better have hair. And no, nope, the first two came out bald. The oh. third one had hair, but the first <laughs> came out bald. And they didn't grow hair till they were like two. Oh, wow. <sighs> so 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 so, so, so essentials then for heartburn nothing worked for you but generally is there anything that you think might work for the women uh, yeah a top a little bit of topical application of something like peppermint oh. uh after the first trimester i wouldn't do it within the first trimester just because peppermint 
can be a little funky uh, with certain people. So, but after that, uh, peppermint, a little bit of topical application of peppermint or even just inhaling it, uh, inhaling some lemon Mm. can really, uh, because, I mean, all it is is, you know, an overactive use of the acid in our stomach. Um, I also highly recommend going to see a chiropractor if they have a really overactive heartburn, um, just because they can actually help close the valve if the valve is stuck open. Mm. Um, you know, from your esophagus to your stomach, because if the valve is caught open, nothing's going to really stop stop it. So I highly recommend uh, the use of a chiropractor in the holistic health handbag. Yeah. <laughs> so earlier on, right at the beginning, you mentioned there are certain things that really should be on the list that we should avoid. So what are those things that we should be avoiding as a pregnant woman that were on that list that you hinted at at the beginning? Okay. Oh, there's so many on that list. Oh, really? uh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, and I will actually include that in my notes to you so everybody Perfect. has a good list to use of um, the ones to avoid because I have a nice printout um, that you'll be able, you can actually link everybody to, make everybody's lives really easy. But some things that they want to watch out for are oils. Um, anise, which mm. is used in a lot of like tummy tamer kind of blends, Um is actually um, shouldn't be used in pregnancy or lactation um, because it has can have strong estrogen-like effects and is a antiplatelet aggregate. In, it's a platelet aggregate inhibitor, um, so it stop it slows your ability to stop bleeding, and that's not something we want. <laughs> you know, especially when you go into labor, we don't need hemorrhaging, um, but you don't want you know that in causing issues with the fetus. It can also they can also disrupt the implantation of a fetus. So mm-hmm. these are things you don't want to be doing. So just so that, thinking, sorry, just thinking on that, is that might be something you want to avoid if you're trying to get pregnant as well then? Yes, it okay. is. Um, anise, um, star anise, sweet fennel, um, all have that same component. Oh, okay. Good to know. Top tip uh, there. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> you don't want, there's just things you got to, you know, watch out for. So another one, uh, thuja, tansy, um, any of your wormwoods, really shouldn't be used and you shouldn't um i know in many cases they don't recommend that you use even the herbs um depending on who you ask uh for those things because there can be neurotoxic hepatotoxic uh, so they're toxic to the brain the kidneys um and they can also be uh, toxic to the just the genes in general so when you say herbs when you say herbs what do you mean are you talking Uh, like all all herbs uh, of those plants okay like wormwood the full all plant is almost always recommended for avoidance okay Uh, not just the essential oil but the the full plant yeah yeah. okay fine um because you can find you know obviously when you go to an herb shop you can you know buy the herb as a whole plant still um or just the leaves and get teas and stuff like that Mm. so um a big one that i see a lot is wintergreen and that's really not recommended to be used um at all during pregnancy or lactation again um, because it's actually been shown to cause death oh my uh, goodness. In, in small ones. So um, it's methyl salicate, which is basically aspirin, which causes it. Um, and uh, a lot of people use it in their muscle blends, you know, for like when they're with their aches and pains. And anybody who is obviously pregnant or lactating, small children shouldn't use it because they can actually develop rise syndrome, which is, you know, the aspirin issues. Um, with small children, uh, anybody who's allergic to aspirin, <laughs> obviously shouldn't. I actually had a situation where a lady 
you know, I was at my office and consultant handed her a little packet of a muscle blend. She's like, yeah, I'm going to put it on my shoulder. I was like, well, you know, don't use it if you're taking a lot of aspirin already. She's like, well, I'm allergic to aspirin. I was like, please don't put that on you. (laughs) And she's like, oh, I had no idea. It's a bit scary, isn't it? Thinking, you know, that when we, we, you can buy this stuff quite easily. And yet when you're buying it at point of purchase, there isn't anybody that's maybe advising you on this kind of stuff. There's so not. It's, no. it's can, you know, and I can understand why some people might think, oh, I'm just going to steer clear of all essential oils because they are so potent and you just don't right. know. And, and generally at point of purchase, people aren't qualified in them in the way that they probably need to be. And, you know, you could easily make some mistakes, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's why I actually, I go to a local shop here uh, once a week on Mondays. I'm there for, you know, an hour and a half to answer any questions because mm. this, the manager of that store knows that they're not trained in it. And she's like, it'd be awesome to have somebody here who could actually answer the questions mm. and can actually know. And so, I mean, when I'm there, I'm tr- training some of the um, employees that want to learn more um, on what to do and you know what the concerns are with certain essential oils especially when i look on their shelf and they're selling some stuff that really like fuja which is you know a neurotoxic i'm like you guys don't need to be selling that uh there's almost no real use in a home setting that this needs to be used but you know here it is so here's the concerns with it uh you know just make sure if somebody grabs this hopefully they don't but if they do you know say these things just to make them aware because most people aren't aware like oh this sounds great or it smells pretty and then they take it home and you don't know what happens Mm. at the point of sale most people don't know what they're really doing Mm. Um, that's why i really recommend everybody uses you know companies aromatherapy companies and buying you know most time you have to buy them online unless you actually have a really cool storefront near you but buy people who actually know what those oils do and they have descriptions and they have the safety considerations on their website because not all websites do that Mm. Uh, some of the websites only list the good things that the oils do but they don't list the concerns it's like wait well can i use this on my you know one-year-old can i use this one pregnant where's the safety info Uh, so when you're picking out an essential oil company that should be one of the things that you check off okay on their website can i see safety information and if you can't maybe you don't give them your money you know, money to spend with as you want, but, you know, use that to decide what you are comfortable with as far as a company and what's, you know, safe for you. And and what about the fact that the, you know, there isn't, I, I don't know, is there any research or evidence that's been carried out with regards to essential oils or do they, do they suffer from the thing that affects a lot of alternative um, health things that is like you know no nobody's going to spend any money on it because they can't trademark it they can't patent it and so they can't make a shed load of money off the back of paying for the research you know which is exactly. what affects a lot of pharmaceutical stuff so you know I worked in the vitamin industry and there's hardly any research around anything like vitamin C even though we know it helps the immune we can't say it because there's no evidence because nobody will pay for the evidence so you're in a little bit of a catch-22 where you you're just saying oh, it might help you with this and it might help you with that you know we can't really be very outspoken about what they absolutely help with because of this lack of evidence so what's what's the situation with essential oils there is actually um with the advent of essential oils being as you know uh, popular as they are right now there is actually a lot of research going into them uh that obviously is going to be a double-edged sword Mm. um but there is and there's also a lot of information about specific specific chemicals 
Uh, like I talked about how, you know, specific chemicals within an essential oil, that's the problem. Most pharmaceuticals are based off of the plants. Mm. So they actually, what they do is they take the essential oil, they take the plant, they find the one thing that makes it work, the one thing that makes it tick, and they pull it out and they start recreating it in a lab. Why? Because they can patent that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so there's actually a lot of good research on specific components within ah. these things. So you can search, I mean, lavender essential oil, and you can go over, you know, the stuff that's in it and see what it's been shown to do. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of research, obviously, on pregnancy mm. because, well, it's unethical. <laughs> yeah. We have these called and <laughs> they won't let us, you know, Test on pregnant women. <laughs> hurting a you know, unborn person. So, silly ethics. Uh, we, we don't know uh, with pregnancy. So it's really, you have to just be extra careful. Mm. Um, what we see in lab rats isn't necessarily what we're going to see in humans. Mm. Uh, there's a few you know, situations where the dose that it should have been, and I'm using air quotes again, um, if, you know, the values from what killed the lab rat had actually worked, you know, the level is, you know, say 100. And what we've actually seen kill somebody accidentally is at like a 20. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, so what the lab rats told us and what's actually safe are two completely different numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, and what's actually killed somebody is way lower of a value than we thought was should have ever killed somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've actually seen that with accidental ingestion and accidental poisonings is seeing that differentiation going, okay, well, that's a lot more dangerous than we thought it was. <laughs> uh, and that's one thing that the science does help give us, is yeah. gives us approximate numbers, and it gives us kind of a place to start. Mm. And other than that, we just do have a lot of anecdotal stuff mm. with essential oils, uh, saying, you know, well, I've seen this work. Um, one big case of, you know, your anecdotal versus your science is Clary Sage. Okay. And we talked about it. We started talking about it at the beginning. The science says that the sclerol content in clary sage is not high enough to cause you to go into preterm labor. However, you have a group of midwives and doulas and people who work in the birth field that have seen people use clary sage and go into preterm labor, and it caused fetal distress. They've seen it. They've seen people come and go, oh, I was using clary sage, and all of a sudden they're, you know, a month preterm. Mm. So should it, according to the science? No. The science says absolutely not. But the anecdotal shows it causing mm. an issue. Mm. So it's really hard then, you know, because mm. people are like, oh, well, you know, the scientists say clary sage is perfectly safe. You can use it throughout your entire pregnancy. Nothing's going to happen. And then I'm sitting over here going, well can we just trust the midwives that have been doing it for years? Yeah. An issue. But also uh, yeah. scientists don't even know what triggers labor. We, we don't know why labor starts. We're still trying to answer that question. So to, to have a debate as to whether Clary Sage might, might or might not start it is feels like a really pointless conversation to be having because we don't even know what triggers labor. So, so this is, you know, it's, it's, it's really worthwhile going into this stuff with your eyes open when it comes to trusting the science, I think, because the science doesn't have all the answers. It's only looking at it from a certain perspective and it doesn't have everything at its fingertips. Anyway, that's a different conversation. So back to the Clary Sage. <laughs> exactly. But yes, yeah, so uh, I personally and professionally don't recommend Clary Sage until 39 weeks. Okay. Because... 
of what has been seen. But there's an entire side of the field that's like, no, it's perfectly fine. Use it throughout. And so that really is up to, but I think it's worth noting to the person, the client, like, okay, this is what science says. This is what's been seen. Mm. You make the decision because it's your body and your pregnancy. I don't know how hard it was for you to get there. I don't know how, you know, what you've been through. So I'm not going to say, yeah, use this and then, you know, risk it putting you in. That's up to you. <laughs> you know, that's Unless not- she's being threatened with an induction at 39 weeks, then she might want to maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, then that might be a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> we can do. Why would, um, why would we be taking Clary Sage in the first place then? What's the benefit of taking Clary Sage? Like, why would a woman be using it during a pregnancy? What are the, what are the reasons for that? Clary Sage is a, a very good calming oil. Okay. But there's a lot of really good calming oils. I on uh, I personally have never seen a reason that clary sage needs to be used where another oil that we know to be safe can't be used in its place. So what could um, you use instead of clary sage if you want to calm yourself during the, I mean you've mentioned some of these already. You know, exactly, you've mentioned, yeah. yeah, lavender was one Rivoli, yeah. lavender is so so easy to come by lavender is um, the catch it's the most i think lavender is the most it's the superhero of the lavender of the essential oil world isn't it it's just it's right it does everything doesn't it <laughs> yeah it is your it is your catch-all yeah uh essential oil it can kind of just help with everything mm-hmm. uh, it has that ability to work with you your particular situation and kind of meld itself to work with you best mm. um so yeah, lavender is one that everybody should probably have in there, you know. I've got a bottle in every room pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, lavender is a great one and it can do that. I mean, unless you really can't stand the smell of lavender, uh, which is always a case in yeah. pregnancy. You never know what that's going to do. So you know, neroli, ylang ylang, uh, like I said, even your citrus ones can be very calming while mm. still being uplifting. Mm. So so avoid, yeah, avoid clary sage until, so when, when would be a good time to start considering clary sage? Because I see clary sage and there's so many pregnancy groups I'm part of and I just see loads of people talking about, oh, I've got the clary sage ready. You know, it's just, everyone's talking about it. So why would they, when would they start needing to think about using clary sage? That is going to be a very personal decision because um, even natural induction methods are still trying to put your body into a situation where it's not ready to be yet. Yeah. Um, I'm a high advocate for letting your body go until it's ready mm. to go into labor. Um, and this is coming from somebody who with the third pregnancy and was over 40 weeks, tried everything in the book yeah, and no, none of I've got the t-shirt. <laughs> My third one, I did everything. Mm. Um, and nothing put me into labor, uh, which you know, helped solidify, you know, my, I kind of had that, you know, back in my head, like, you're not going to go into labor until your body's ready. It doesn't matter what you do, um, like, short of a medical induction. Uh, and so, like, and then I did all that, and I never went into labor. All of, you know, the practitioners standing back going, you should have had a kid by now with what we did. And I'm like, body wasn't ready. It's just what it was. It sucked for me. I hated it. But, you know, <laughs> some people enjoy being pregnant. I'm not one of them. So, <laughs> You know, it really is just a very personal decision. Now, obviously, if they're facing a medical induction and they're really against that, um, you know, because if they really are afraid of that, you know, cascade of, you know, treatment situation, then they can start looking at it. But I highly recommend they talk to their midwife or they talk to somebody in that situation. They talk to a clinical aromatherapist. They talk to, you know, somebody 
in their situation to make sure it's, you know, a safe dilution. Like I was talking about, you know, that mm-hmm. dilution um, and make sure, you know, check their medic, if they're on any other medications, check how their pregnancy has been going. Um, I hate putting out a recommendation and then somebody who shouldn't be using it, using it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, my main recommendation is always to talk to a professional before mm-hmm. you do anything, trying to get that induction started. And I have all those midwives and doulas that witness the the impact of using Clarisade. What kind of time frame are we generally talking in terms of is it is it people that have been using it regularly on an ongoing basis or is it you know I I had a whiff of it yesterday and oh my goodness I've my waters are broken. I mean, what kind of t- how long uh, yeah. does it take to take effect or you know? It depends on the person. Okay. Don't you love that? Um, and with anecdotal evidence, you know, we're not 100% sure of dilution ratios. We're not 100% sure how many times they were applying it. They'll say, you know, oh, I applied it a few times. Mm. Well, what was a few? Mm. You know, or so, I mean, we only have ane- we only have anecdotal evidence. We don't have anything really solid to stand on. Okay. So, okay. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it's one of those, it depends on the person. Some people, you know, can be like, oh, I, you know, took a bite of some hot sauce and I went into labor right away. Well, it know, could just it be really... a coincidence, couldn't it? When we're trying all that stuff in that last few weeks, you don't uh, know whether it was the pineapple, the curry or the sex or the clary sage. You don't know what it was, but suddenly your body went, right, it's all happening. <laughs> so it's difficult to say, isn't it? What works? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and maybe it was just time and yeah. it just they yeah. coincide and because we only have anecdotal evidence we can't yeah. determine that yeah yeah okay so so what other what other essential oils could a woman would be worth a, a woman bringing into her labor room or you know when she's packing her hospital bag or packing her her bag to go to uh, birth center what should she be packing essential oils wise in her in I, her little packets of cotton wool or whatever she's that's doing the little baggies all the yeah. little baggies she should definitely have a lavender because we love lavender for calming. Um, she can have a cotton ball of peppermint because when that, you know, nausea hits in labor, peppermint is a great go-to. If she can't stand peppermint, ginger is another great one um, to have with her. And really anything, once again, that's not on the no-go list mm. uh, that she enjoys the scent of is a great call. Because okay. um, they all, when you have a scent that you really enjoy, it helps make everything just seem better. Yeah. So I highly recommend, you know, I have my clients go through and smell many of my different oils to see what they're kind of drawn to and called to and what feels good. Because in labor, you just want what feels good. Because there's so much going on that doesn't feel good. And that you just want something uplifting to you. Uh, so really, that's anything not on the no-go list that's really comforting is something I highly recommend. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun because so many, everybody's going to have a different answer. Um, lavender tends to be a really big one. Sweet orange, you know, having that nice mm, pretty that's nice. Note, tends to be a really good one. Um, once again, neroli for calming, excellent. You know, having the peppermint for not, peppermint or ginger for nausea, all are great options. Mm. But really keep it to that little baggie, you know, the little cotton ball yeah. <laughs> inside of a baggie that way. If you change your mind, yeah. which can happen, we are women, 
<laughs> you can put it away. Now it's I'm just... a I'm a real geeky kind of like I'm, immediately when I'm hearing you say this, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm just thinking about the different kind of needs you might have in labour. So there might be the calming need, there'll be the, the the nauseous need, there might be the uplifting need for when you've just been going on for hours and you just need to wake up a bit. And so it could be that you have your little wake up bag, your little calming bag, and in there you've got a little mix of baggies depending on the if there's a fragrance that you don't like. You're like, no, the ginger, I can't bear ginger. Take that away from me. Give me the peppermint. Oh, that's working fine. And so that your exactly. husband can just go, oh, coming back, right? He just feeds you these little baggies until he hits on the fragrance that works for you in that moment. And to get really organised in advance. I mean, that could be worth doing, couldn't it? If you're so inclined, if you're a bit geeky. I love that idea. I think I want to like put up a picture of, an, of, of a bag set up like that right yeah, now, actually. Yeah. You could sell that online a- and make a ton. <laughs> I am making a note to myself. We are going to start selling those bags. That way they can put whatever cotton ball scent yeah. they want in there. Yeah. We'll just have the bags all lined up for them. Yeah. Four sets of each different situation. Exactly. You got you it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I'm making a note too. <laughs> Make it a note. You get started over there. I'll get started over here. Brilliant, we'll brilliant. So, um, so now fast forward after the birth now, and I'm thinking post-birth, post-birth recovery you know, yeah. there was, um, I had to go and get suited and I knew I, I, I ended up buying some, is it tea bags online where you could just soak them in the bath and it would just yeah. help you to heal and to repair and to soothe and, you know, to reduce the inflammation and all that stuff. And those baths were just amazing. So, you know, where can essential oils help us on that, that recovery journey? Uh, once again, that same, those same, you know, calming and uplifting oils, because we all know that the change in hormones right after labor are crazy. Um, so using ylang ylang, which is a really good, just helps with you know that um, hormonal changes. Mm. That's a great one too, uh, just because there's going to be a lot of hormonal changes. Um, but don't forget that you know the baby's main way of getting to know you when they don't open their eyes yet is scent. So mm. you don't want to have a whole bunch of other scents going on. Oh. You want baby to be able to smell you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you don't want applying a lot to yourself. Okay. And especially nothing to like your chest or to your breasts if you're breastfeeding. Because mm. baby needs to not be breathing all that in. Yeah. Um, but truly, you know, scent is the newborn's biggest way to bond. And mm. that helps their stuff get going, you know, uh, all their hormone changes that have to happen in order for life to really take place uh, and for them to truly thrive. That's all hormonal. That's all related to the scent and the changes that they start to feel. Mm. So... I really recommend staying away from anything topical uh, because of that. You want baby to both smell you. Um, again, diffuser use around a newborn, you don't really want, once again, all that scent. So keeping just those little baggies like we were talking about mm. means that you fit in without the baby being affected by it. Mm. Uh, sits baths are great, um, which are like little tea baggies and stuff like that, and you mm. can buy those at most, you know, health food kind of stores uh, or online, uh, most of them won't have essential oils in them because essential oils could actually, if if you were to get sutured, they could actually eat through the sutures. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they are oils. I see a lot of people are going, oh, I've got, I made a peri spray with these oils. And I'm going, oh, ah. <laughs> please. Like, and, and I mean, for most cases, you don't want to use essential oils on open wounds anyway. And, you know, when you talk about the fact that, you know, your cervix is still as, you know, huge and everything, you don't want oils getting up into your uterus or anything like that. So I wouldn't recommend using them down there. (laughs) So even in a bath, even if you were to give yourself a a bath with some drops in, 
Would you not recommend doing that as well? Correct. I would not recommend. Okay. Um, One, because they won't disperse well in the bath, just drops in. You have to use some sort of a uh, carrier like your shampoo in order to really disperse them. Otherwise, they just sit there and you're risking actually burning your skin on the oils because they just kind of sit on the water. Um, I really recommend like those herbal sits baths, Mm. the ones that like come in the tea bags and stuff like that because it's the full herb and you get a lot more from it than you do from just the essential oil. Uh, A lot of places where the whole herb is actually kind of a safer go-to and a better go-to because when you keep that whole plant in its entirety, you know, you have components that don't come out in the, you know, essential oil. Mm. So it's more to the party if you will. So I really recommend those sits baths. If you're going to sit in the bathtub, I wouldn't put the oils in there. Um, just keep to the baggies right after, uh, cause you don't want to use anything really around a newborn. Mm. Um, so they're about three months old. Okay. Um, um, just because of their skin and their liver and everything's just so new, you've yeah. got to give it to adapt to the world. Okay, well, this is brilliant. I'm just wondering, is there anything that I haven't asked you that a woman that is expecting a baby needs to know about essential oils? Is there, you know, is there an essential oil we haven't mentioned that she needs in her bag? Or is there another, is there something I haven't asked you just because I don't know enough about essential oils? Uh, I think we've done a pretty good cover because we've done a lot of the essential oils that are really good to use. Mm. Uh, you know, they're kind of like your more easy to find go-tos. Yeah. Uh, and then we've gone over, you know, some reasons why you don't want to use some. I've done, we've gone over dilution and carrier oils mm. and all the main issues. Mm. Uh, obviously, if anybody has any questions and they pose them to you, I'd be happy to answer them at any point in time. Okay, perfect, perfect. I'm just wondering whether it's worth mentioning a point about, you know, the reliability of certain brands. We're not going to dive into certain brands, but, you know, when you are shopping for essential oils, is there anything to sort of look out for? You mentioned already looking at the safety considerations on websites, but, you know, one thing that I get alerted to is if I'm shopping online, for example, and I'm, you know, I buy tea tree oil quite a lot. And, you know, you see one bottle of tea tree oil at four ninety nine and another bottle at eight ninety nine, and it's the same amount in the bottle. You're like, whoa. But for me, I'm like, I'm going to go for the eight ninety nine because that's clearly probably using a better quality of oil. It, it probably is organic or it's got a good source or, you know, so is there anything that we need to maybe just think about that you could share? You know, I'm just sort of reeling off this stuff about organic and a good source, but from your perspective to help people shop better and buy better quality products, what to look for and, and, you know, just to help them in that buying process. Is there anything else you can share around that? Yes. You want to look for when you go to buy your oils, price can be a factor, and in some ways, it also isn't um, because purity is purity regardless. And so as long as the company is being true to their word. Yeah, yes, I did not. <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> and I just think, I think this is a really important point to make because I used to work in the beauty industry and I know what stuff goes in beauty products and it makes me shudder. And I also know what they don't have to tell you what goes in beauty products. And that also makes me shudder that I've basically walked away from a lot of beauty products, which is why I'm using coconut oil, which is why I use a lot of essential oils, because I just think I cannot bear what the beauty industry is peddling. And so I think oh. we just need to be clear shopping for products that we don't, it's not always very clear. They might say 100% pure and actually they probably just need to be putting three drops of the pure stuff in and they're going to pad it out the rest with something else. And you think you're buying one thing and you're not. And so, right. you know, I just think we need to be, you know, really clear on, on yeah. 
what you know and, like yeah. here in the uk when when we're being sold a natural product the word natural carries absolutely no weight whatsoever and they don't have to demonstrate natural at all so it means nothing it's a marketing word so yeah. I, i'm sure the same kind of things is going on within the essential oil industry yeah she's nodding she's nodding <laughs> i am i waiting for you to stop talking before i say yes go on go on go on <laughs> tell me so tell us tell us be honest no, to be honest. Well, you know, I mean, with anything, especially with the popularity of essential oils, companies see dollars. Mm. And when those companies see dollars, they don't care about how they get to those dollars. They just want those dollars. Mm. So a lot of companies are jumping in right now into essential oils and selling them, even though they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, so what you want to look for, you know, when you go to buy a bottle, you want to have the common name like lavender. And then underneath that, you want it to say what the Latin name is. So you want it to say Lavendula Angustifolia. Mm. Huh. Because sometimes the Latin name, if they have one on there, doesn't match the common name. And you're going, wait, what's in here? Sometimes, you know, the, you look at the Latin name, you go, that's a completely different plant. Mm. <laughs> and so knowing the Latin name of the essential oil you want is very important because you want to see that on that bottle. It just helps with that clarification process. Okay, what is in this bottle? Tea tree. Okay, you know, where is it from? So once again, you want to look for, okay, it should have a country of origin. You know, so for tea tree, you know, seeing Australia. Great. That's somewhere yeah. that tea tree actually grows. Yeah. Iceland, um, no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, you want to see a country of origin on there. And you want it to make sense for that oil. Mm. And now, obviously, a lot of stuff is being grown in China right now. Because, well, the Chinese do it fast. Um, now, does that necessarily make a pure product? Yes, it probably does because it's the plant being grown there. But it might not be the best quality. Um, but quality is really going to be subjective. Uh, you know, what I love about a lavender, you might hate. You know, if I really love a, you know, kind of a more florally, you know, lavender, you might want a more herby one. And that could just depend on, you know, growing season or time of year it was harvested. Uh, essential oils are a lot like a fine wine mm. and how the growing happened really can affect the essential oil that comes out on the other end. Mm. So looking for that common name, the Latin name, country of origin, you want to see a distillation date. Uh, knowing when it was distilled is very important because all oils do have a shelf life. Mm. You know, some essential oils, your citrus essential oils, your lemons, your bergamots, it's only one or two years um, whereas your resins, your frankincense, um, myrrhs, those can last nine or 10 years, mm. but they still have a shelf life. At some point, oxygen is going to get into the bottle and the oil's not going to be the same oil it was when it was distilled. So a distillation date is really something to look for. Um, and if it's not on the bottle, calling the company and asking for it. Mm. Okay. Well, here's, you know, the code on here saying, you know, the batch number or whatever, you know, when was this distilled? And if the company goes, uh, maybe you don't give them your business. You know, we talk, um, in especially the global economy that we kind of have, we talk with our wallets. Mm. Um, we tell companies what we find acceptable with our wallets. So don't buy from the company if they do something that you don't like. It's how you get your point across. <laughs> they don't care how many times you write them and say, you know, you guys should do this different. They don't care as long as the money's coming in. As long as the dollars are there, they don't care. Yeah. So... Do what you can talk with your wallet. Brilliant advice. Brilliant advice. So, so yeah, the one thing I picked up on with price is that 
they, the prices of you need to touch, touch on this a bit is they fluctuate quite a bit because of the harvest. So if there's been a rain, like a flooding in wherever they're grown, suddenly, you know, as you would with the price of coffee or bananas, suddenly the price will just shoot up because there's hardly any... Um, yeah, there's hardly any around. So, yeah, so it, I think it's worth bearing in mind that you, you might, sometimes what can be a really good clue, at least in my experience, is when you see um, a range of essential oils where all the prices are a little bit all over the place, where the bottle of this might be 8 93 and the bottle of that might be 7 22 They're not like selling everything at 4 99 If you see the yeah. whole range at 4 99 run. <laughs> right, yes, yeah. absolutely. Whereas if you see this kind of different pricing going on, you can see that they're responding to the market forces and they're yes. probably being a lot more, they're closer to their product, aren't they? They're kind of more aware of what they're doing. They're not just seeing it as a marketing opportunity. And that right. therefore they're going to be looking at the quality of the product a little bit. Yeah. You would hope. You would hope. When you go to Walmart and you know all the oils are two ninety seven. Yeah. You, walk oh, away. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Walk away. Go next door to the vitamin store. Buy them there where the prices are all you know accurate for that product. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Now, I, I feel like we could talk forever, but we do have to wrap it up because we have been chatting for a while. So is there anything else that we haven't said that we need to say other than your website and where people can find you? So you can find me and ask me more questions of what we <laughs> did cover today. <laughs> My website, and I will send you a link to everything, um, is theapothecaryinstitute.com because uh, at some point I will have a school to where you can you know, do a full... Uh, I do have a, a free introductory course right now on my website. When you sign up for the newsletter, you get a free introductory course to essential oils. Brilliant. It goes with a lot of the basics um, without going too in-depth because most people don't need a ton of information when they start. Mm. So I have a great little intro class whenever you sign up for the newsletter. On Facebook, I am Holistic Health Helper, LLC. And it is just like that because I am all about the holistic side and helping health. Brilliant. And I am working on my herbalism certification now um, and my aromatic medicine one as well. So that is, you know, a way for me to be well-rounded. And so the business mm. uh, obviously shows that. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant. So you're going to send me all those links. All those links are going to be in the show notes. Yes, Free yeah. newsletter e-course. Brilliant. I'm sure loads of women are going to sign up for that. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you once again, Amber, for joining me on the Fair Free Childhood Podcast. This has been brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate being here. Well, wasn't Amber brilliant? She shared so much amazing information. And I love those little baggies. That idea is absolutely brilliant. Hacking essential oils in pregnancy. Love it, love it, love it. Now, if you want to get hold of that download that we talked about, the list that we talked about, then all you need to do is go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash 316. That's the episode number for the today's episode. So all you need to do is go to that URL and you'll be able to download the list of essential oils that you need to avoid and then the list of essential oils that you ha- that you can use with care during pregnancy because as she mentioned you can't don't go too crazy with some of this stuff because of their potency levels. So just to get hold of that you go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash 316. Now also at the beginning of the episode I talked about the fearless 
birth prep challenge. So if you're pregnant and you want help getting ready for your birth, cutting through the overwhelm, getting not getting confused and basically having a clear plan that gives you confidence about your birth, then why not join in the challenge? There are prizes to be had for everybody that takes part. Not everybody that takes part, obviously, but most winners will get prizes, obviously. So if you want to take part in the challenge, then you just need to go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash challenge and you will be on the list and you'll get all the details about joining in the challenge when it starts in the next few weeks. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I will see you again next week. Bye for now. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini-series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.